Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, episode 9. I'm your host, Peter Go, alongside David here today. Excited to get into just 10 days away from Brewers starting their opening day, uh, entering the season. Today we're going to be covering a deep dive into the Brewers starting rotation. A couple of power arms, uh, of course, as everybody knows, Woodruff and Burns coming off great years. Um, talking about what we can expect from them, and then also going into more depth. Uh, is Freddie Peralta actually going to stick in the rotation this year, as a conversation that we've been having for the last couple of years, as well as uh, just taking a look at some other depth, depth, excuse me, depth uh, in the rotation. Uh, but before we get to that, a couple of uh, minor news uh, as far as the broadcasting changes go. David, you want to fill us in on that? Yeah, they announced uh, a few changes. Tim Dillard will take over as the primary Brewers live pre- and post-game analyst. Dillard, of course, was with the Brewers in the minor leagues for a number of years. Pitched a few times in the major leagues, I think 08, uh, maybe 2010, 2011, 2012 time frame. He did have that uh, Topps update card. Yeah, I mean, 2012, 2012 yeah. submarine or sidearm. Not really sure why, how he got a card, but yeah, he, he and Yeah, he ended up retiring this spring. He pitched with the Milwaukee Milkmen. I talked about him earlier, like I think last year on the podcast, uh, and maybe a potential guest down the road. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, uh, we we could we could see if I could uh, pull some strings and get him on, but he will take over as the primary Brewers live pre and post game analyst alongside Craig Kishon. Uh Vinny Rochino also will do some pre and post game analysis. Not exactly sure what his role will be because Kishon will be still uh, hosting the show. Rochino might be more of a fill in, and uh, maybe they'll do. Remember when they did those like. I don't know what they were, Diamond Demos or something, where they oh, would yeah. just have like Bill Schroeder and Jerry Augustine on the field doing like banana runs oh, from the right, like, right. PFPs. Yeah, if you were, like, if you watch the game, they do like, Kashan would go to the studio and they'd talk for like 15 minutes and then after a while, yeah, the two of them would just be like on the field doing something kind of random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, now, well, occasionally they were kind of interesting. Yeah, especially when you're like little and you don't yeah. really know that much. Um, yeah, so Rotino will be also joining the broadcasting team, and then Chris Singleton will fill in as an analyst for Bill Schroeder uh, on about 20 telecasts, so Schroeder taking a little bit of a diminished role this year. I don't really remember him missing games much. If anyone misses games, it's usually Brian Anderson, who will still continue to do so. I think Anderson slated for about 80 games this year, and then filling in will most of the time be Jeff Levering, I believe, who is one of the radio announcers, and then Matt LaPay also a little bit. Uh, so they will be there, and then Sophia Minard and Dario Melendez both staying. Uh, so we will still be able to hear Dario Melendez back with you in your Fox Sports Wisconsin <laughs> studios, like he sprints through every time they come back in like the eighth inning. <laughs> but we will be missing uh, Jerry Augustine and the uh, the good breaking ball. That, yeah, uh, put a good swing on ball, hit ball at the ballpark. <laughs> you will be continuing uh, with some analysis post game with WTMJ, but uh, effectively, uh, excuse me, not Rotino, Augustine uh, being replaced by Tim Dillard, so we'll see how that uh, transition goes, but we will definitely miss the good brick and ball yeah. from uh, Jerry Augustine and the, the fun times that Yeah, and the before. memes. I mean, uh, Jerry Augustine, actually, he had some memes that were staples on Brewer's Twitter. Uh, you're not quite as active on Brewer's Twitter, but 
I think it was in 2019, there was a, like, smiling Jerry Augustine picture, and somebody, like, photoshopped, like, a shine on his teeth, and people kind of used it as a meme that they would post after every every win, and they'd say something about, like, the smile of St. Augustine, oh, <laughs> or some, something like that. It was something a little bit goofy, and then, uh, of course, yeah, all the, the pre- and post-game analysis of the good break of balls. Pretty much. I, I, I swear he tried to say break your ball as many times as possible. He had, like, a bet with someone before yeah. the game to see how many times he could say it. That that and, uh, like you said, put a good swing on the ball. Yeah. Hit the ball. The ball yeah, especially on those elevated break your balls. <laughs> Anyways, we will uh, dearly miss mm-hmm. St. Augustine. Yeah. Uh, Although one thing, actually, Dillard taking over as pre- and post-game analyst, some people are saying that Dillard might be groomed to replace Bob Uecker. Uh Do you think that that could be the case. Dillard, of course, is uh, very good with the fans, with the players. A lot of guys like him. A lot of the Brewers players actually played with him in the minor league since he was there for so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was drafted before Ryan Braun was. So he was in the organization for a long time. Uh, Dillard also has a pretty good voice. He does some uh, some videos, of course, on his own. He did this, this thing called MILB Network, like minor league network, where they would kind of make fun of the minor league life in like 2017, around that time frame. So he also has a podcast himself. Actually, hasn't really made any episodes recently. Um, the inner monologue of Dim Tillard, uh, if you want to go check it out. But he's, I think, a possible replacement for Euchre. Euchre uh, is getting up there in age. Uh, and that leads us to today's trivia question for Peter, which is, how old is Bob Euchre? So you can answer that at the end of the podcast. Um of course, you know the, the general range that Bob Euchre is yeah, in age. Between 50 and 100, I Yeah, but, um, but I think he might be older than you, you would expect. So, could see Euchre maybe coming down from the broadcast booth at any point, really, uh, beyond this year. And he still is back, though, for his 51st season as broadcaster. I'm curious to see if he'll just, you know, hang, up, hang it up uh, pretty abruptly or if he'll give a lot of time, or if he'll kind of lean off of, you know, I'm going to retire in two years, and over the next two years, I'm going to cut my time significantly. I mean, we'll see. And, of course, health can always change that as well. But back to Tim Dillard, potentially replacing him. It's an interesting thought, not one that had crossed my mind previously, but certainly, like you said, good with the fans, uh, has a pretty strong social media following. I think fans do enjoy him generally, but we'll see. I mean, he hasn't really been in this structure of a, of a, of a role, so we'll see how he handles it and whether the fans like him, but I certainly could see him as a potential replacement. And, of course, whoever does come in will have big shoes to fill. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and today, instead of doing new random players of the day, we're just going to highlight Tim Dillard and Vinny Rotino, both former Brewers, both had uh, relatively minor major league careers. Dillard pitched at 84 and a third innings over four years, 08, 09, 11, and 2012. Career ERA of 4.7, all 73 games he pitched coming out of the bullpen. He had a, a solid 4.13 fielding independent pitching. Of course, he was at a side armor out of the bullpen. I remember him picking off to first base uh, with a, a sidearm move. I don't know if that's pretty common. Like, I, I guess I don't know if Yardley does that. I wouldn't. He, he's also someone who would field a bunt and, and throw oh, uh-huh. first summary. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, um, I don't for some reason that kind of uh, stood out to me. And, uh, yeah, he had a, overall, I mean, he, he played in the minor leagues for a long time, and he seemed to enjoy it. So, uh, pretty solid baseball career, even if he did only play four games, or excuse me, even if he did only play four years at the major league level. And then Vinny Rotino, 
Rotino is a graduate of UW Lacrosse. Uh, D3 school. We talked about him, I think, a couple weeks ago, actually, when we were talking about Fire Eisen and Jordan Zimmerman. Yeah. Uh, he is a, also a Racine native, and he uh, he actually played even less than Dillard. He had 24 plate appear, 25 plate appearances with the Brewers in three years, 208 average, 240 on base percentage. Um, but he did hit that uh, walk off, was it? Scoring Tony Gwynn Jr. in 2007. I, I definitely remember that game. I don't know exactly why. I remember that we were sitting in tariff reserved, mm. and then uh, late in the game, we may or may not have uh, snuck down there, not sat in our seats, um, and I think we were in like field in field in field or something. Um, and Trevor yeah. Hoffman came in, which was fun to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember closers of all time and Bre- understanding who that was. Mm-hmm. Brewers were down. I was five maybe. Right. And my dad told me that the game was over because Trevor Hoffman was a Hall of Fame closer. They had no chance to come back against him. And then, but but, uh, but, but see, he forgot we had Tony Gwynn Jr. and Vinny Rotino. Classic mistake there. Yeah, you can't count out that that big offense. Oh yeah, like that. Yeah, I remember actually. You know those Brewers game days that they produce. Uh, like the programs they have. I remember actually finding that. I had saved it from the game. <laughs> and it doesn't say anything about the game, actually. But my mom asked me if I remembered what it, what any of these games were. And I told her in almost exact detail about that specific game. I don't know what it is about that game that really stood out to me. but I think part of it was that I remember that we had never sat that close to a game before. And uh, being able to do so on a, a walk-off against you know one of the best closers of all time in Trevor Hoffman. It's certainly a memory that we both have and continue to uh, bring up because, like I said, we were pretty sure the Brewers had lost the game. You know, anytime Trevor Hoffman was coming in the ninth with a lead, you could expect that uh, the game was over. Yeah, actually, I found the box score. That was September 29th, the penultimate game of the year, uh, the second last game. And Dave Bush started the game and went six and two thirds innings, three strikeouts. Uh, you can tell a little bit of a different game. Shouse came in, allowed a hit. No batter, or one batter faced. Uh, also, I guess, a, a sign of the times. Seth McClung came in, and then good old Ray King, <laughs> who uh, who I kind of forgot. I mean, everyday Ray, they called him, so uh-huh. not surprising he pitched. Francisco Cordero, Chris Sperling. You, I don't even know if you might. You, do, do you remember him? Yep, I remember the name, yeah. And then uh, good old Mitch Stetter getting the yes. win. Brewers, uh, Brewers legend, I might say. And Milwaukee native Bruce Fremming actually umped the game. And the one who took the loss was Joe Thatcher, who was a former Brewers farmhand. Uh, we did see Trevor Hoffman. He pitched an inning and blew the save. Uh, I think, yeah, it went 11 innings. And then Tony Gwynn Jr., yeah, in the ninth inning, hit uh, two outs, it looks like. Um, on a 2-2 count down to their last strike and he hit a triple down the right field line to score Corey Hart and then in the 11th um, in the 11th Ryan Braun actually hit a a double and then Vinny Rotino with the walk-off single scoring Braun uh, barely got past third base according to baseball reference I don't I don't remember that much detail unfortunately but uh, it was a, apparently a good enough moment that Vinny Rotino has it as, as his yeah. heading picture on Twitter. I saw the picture and I was like, oh, that game, um, because I surprisingly remembered the game. So Vinny Rotino, today's other random player of the day, highlighting this very important game from 2007, uh, a while ago, 14 years ago. I'm now. expecting a 15-year anniversary celebration. Probably, yeah. The time that we, uh, that was the first time they finished above 500 in, in 25 years, or uh no, 15 years. Wow. So, yes. 
it's actually possible that <laughs> that they might have a, an anniversary celebration. For being above I mean, this is the ten year anniversary of the uh, the yeah. division championship yes. team. That was a fun roster. It was. It Grinky. was. Yeah. Fielder, the beast mode. Yeah, is Grinky the only active player left? Braun, Braun isn't. Harrison's got to still be. Yeah, Taylor Green. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dillard just retired. He was on that team actually. That's true. But yeah. yeah. Nonetheless. But I don't. We got very much in the weeds there, but uh, all that to say, Vinny Rotino, Tim Dillard coming in for Jerry Augustine, and Chris Singleton also coming in as a fill-in for Bill Schroeder. So that's kind of an update on uh, Brewers broadcast and our random players of the day, all in one. There. Let's take a look at uh, Brewers spring training update. A couple of notable uh, sightings, including uh, Zach Godley, who. Trying to reestablish himself as a starting pitcher after a couple rough years, um, so maybe more depth uh, likely to start in the minor leagues for the Brewers. Uh, Brewers also uh, choosing to option Phil Bickford, Luke Maley, Angel Perdomo, and Eric Lauer. Uh, they also placed Mark Mathias on the 60-day injured list and added uh, Travis Shaw to the 40-man roster. So it looks like Shaw, after a pretty good spring, will be uh, on the roster and likely we'll see him starting at third base against right-handers. Uh, you also mentioned Billy McKinney having a good spring. Is, is that correct? Yeah, he actually hit two home runs uh, last week, Thursday. It seems like McKinney might make the roster. He's performed considerably better than Fisher, and Fisher actually had a minor injury. Maybe they kind of stall it and see if they can start Fisher on the injured list. Uh, but McKinney, McKinney looks like he could make that roster because you look at the bench, and basically the last spot is down to especially now with Shaw making the rosters down to Nottingham, Vogelbach, and then McKinney or, or Tyrone Taylor, Derek Fisher, um, Tim Lopes and Matthias are both injured now. So maybe Jace Peterson, he's a non-roster invite in camp. I uh, haven't really heard much about him. But it doesn't seem likely they would carry three catchers. And then Vogelbach doesn't really carry much positional versatility, especially now with Shaw on the roster, who can back up at first also. Yeah, it certainly doesn't fit well. Of course, the DH meant a lot uh, in that situation. And what happens with Vogelbach's contract if he doesn't make the major league roster? Uh, he's just owed about 400000 if he doesn't make the roster. So he's paid about that much for spring training in his contract, and then the other million or so uh, is not guaranteed. So he would not receive that. I doubt they'd really be able to trade him for much, probably like a player to be named later to the Orioles or something Maybe. like that. Yeah, if that, yeah. I mean, if they're not losing too much with Vogelbach, like you said, I, the, the signing at the time, we talked about this, how frustrating it must have been not knowing whether or not there was going to be a DH. Because, again, he fit in the Brewers. I was fine with the Brewers signing him if they had a DH, but without the DH, he's just so one-dimensional on various levels that, like you said, when you bring in Travis Shaw and the expectation is that Shaw will be up the entire season and at least have, you know, a decent year, um, we could, like you said, see him getting some time at first base. And if, if McKinney's having a good spring, it, it likely leaves Vogelbach to be the odd man out. And I would agree with you and likely see him mm -hmm. ways yeah first. and McKinney can also play first base in a pinch um, although it, it is a little bit sad that we won't be able to see Daniel Vogelbach run the bases anymore um, that's always a joy and we also just need more fat guys in baseball I feel like there aren't enough fat guys anymore I mean you look at like in the past I feel like there were higher proportions of fat guys um, and especially in our culture that is even more fat than it used to be we have we have less fat guys in baseball. Of course, Prince Fielder being the most notable. But looks like Vogelbach probably won't make the roster, and Brewers will have to cut ties with him. 
So again, Brewers Spring Training, excuse me, Brewers Opening Day, just 10 days away now. Um, so kind of wrapping things up, and uh, certainly we will see uh, who the Brewers select for that final roster spot and keep you updated on that. Uh, but moving towards the Brewers starting rotation, which has not been uh, this solid coming into the opening day that in years. Of course, you've got Brandon Woodruff, who was a reigning Cy Young candidate, Corbin Burns, who had a big breakout year last year, uh, followed by some pretty good depth as well, and Lynn Bloom, Anderson, and Hauser. And then, of course, there is a question of Freddie Peralta and whether you see uh, Freddie in the starting rotation. So let's just start off with the Brewers' ace and now opening day starter, Brandon Woodruff, who was announced to be the uh, opening day starter, like I said, for the first time since Giovanni Gallardo and Brewers having back-to-back uh, opening day starters, which is uh, unfortunate that it took them this long to get it, but good that the Brewers can hand the ball to Woodruff on opening day. Yeah, and the the opening day curse is broken. Uh, I think we had like five straight years of either terrible performance or injuries on the opening day starter. We had Kyle Loesch, we had uh, Junior Guerra yeah, right, yeah. in, was that... 16? Oh, Willie Peralta, I forgot about. He was 16, and then Guerra, 17. I think Chase Anderson yeah, might have been 18, Davies and then he got hurt. Uh, yeah, Davies may have been there. I, well, and part of it, too, it's kind of like the Madden curse that people talk about of, you know, who's the, who gets the ball on opening day. It's usually the guy who pitched the best last year, and then usually what happens the next year after they had a really good year, they usually regress to the mean. So it, it does kind of make sense. Um, but uh, not Peyton Hillis on the cover yeah, of that. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that Madden just did that because they didn't want to curse anyone. They were like, well, Peyton Hillis is like an average running back. I mean, he's not going to be that great after, so might as well just put him there. Pretty much. But yeah. I'm still waiting for Kyle Loesch to get out of MLB The Show. Yeah, but. yeah. Oh, by the way, though, MLB The Show is coming to Xbox. I don't know if you knew oh, that. I did not. Yeah, pretty big news. Yeah. Coming out on April 20th. Tatis Jr. on the cover. It's a it's a cool cover. Uh, they also added a create a ballpark feature, so you can make your own ballpark, <laughs> design it. They they finally caught up with MVP Baseball 2005. <laughs> I don't know what took them so long to uh, get those graphics on, uh, but just a random side note. Yeah, Woodruff taking the ball on opening day. Um, I think he'll have a very strong year. He actually is one of only two pitchers over the last two years who's thrown fewer than 200 innings but has produced at least five Fangraph wins above replacement. Mike Clevenger is the other arm who's done that. Clevenger's out for the year with Tommy John surgery. Um, he's, he's a very good pitcher, but uh, of course won't be pitching. I think on a, a rate basis, Woodruff has been one of the best pitchers in the NL, for sure a top 10 over the last two years. So... Uh, Woodruff has uh, has definitely definitely had a good showing in his uh, few years with Milwaukee so far. Yeah, how did how did your projections stack up uh, as far as the expectations for Woodruff to be the Brewers' ace this year? Uh, my projections uh, look pretty favorably upon Woodruff going into the year. 3.02 ERA. I have him slotted for about 170 innings. Uh, he's a, a pretty durable innings eater, but coming off uh, a couple, one injury-shortened year, and then one, of course, COVID-shortened year, where he only threw about a, a combined 180 innings. Between the two years, I don't think he'll really go much higher than that 170-inning threshold. Uh, Brewers are going to manage their innings a little bit, uh, but I think Woodruff is uh, maybe a top five NL pitcher. John Smoltz actually likes him for maybe uh, to win the Cy Young this year. Uh, Smoltz, I know last year picked him as his dark horse Cy Young candidate, um, and and he still really likes Woodruff. Um, I think I think that uh, Woodruff, yeah, could come out of nowhere, maybe snag a Cy Young award. I think Bauer's a little bit overrated. Kershaw probably. Won't win it. Bueller's a very good pitcher, another candidate. Um, you know, you, of course, you got Degrom there. Uh, he's 
probably still the best. DeGrom hit uh, 99 or 100 in his first bullpen in spring, hit 102 in a live at bats. Kind of stupid, honestly. Yeah. Um, but Woodruff actually has, has one of the best fastballs. His, his his fastball is, I think, actually the most valuable fastball among any fastball in the National League last year. Uh, so I think he I think he projects pretty well to be the opening day starter and to be the Brewers' ace at the top of the rotation this year. I would have to disagree with you on a potential signing candidate. Only 13 wins projected. For yeah. Him, so probably, I mean, Willie Peralta had what, a 16-win 16 16 win season. season. Braden Looper, 13-14-win 14, 14 yeah. season. So yeah. I, I don't know about Woodruff. Yeah. 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 But but anyway, let's move, move on to the other power arm in the rotation. Corbin Burns also breakout year last year. Are expectations here that he's going to have a similar year as last year, or do you see a little bit of regression towards that rough uh, 2019 that Burns had? Yeah, I think he will regress. I mean, he had an ERA uh, around two. It uh, seems a little bit unsustainable. Maybe if he is command improves uh, looking down the road. I mean, he's got maybe the best stuff of any starting pitcher, uh, maybe outside DeGrom. Uh, but I think that he is definitely up there and among the best stuff. Burns have a very pitching ninja heavy staff this year, by the way. Burns, of course... Burns is a Burns. Just everything is hard and everything moves really well. Got that hard power sinker, very good slider. Apparently his changeup is looking good early in camp. I haven't really seen it um, yet. And his curveball, he said, was improved. Also, Narvaez said he he looked better than last year, which is uh, pretty hard to do. Uh, but I I do have him slotted for an, also an ERA around three. Uh, a few less innings, only about 150. He hasn't thrown as many innings in a year as Woodruff has. So Brewers will probably take it a little bit slower with him, but higher strikeout rate, also higher walk rate. I think Corbin Burns is going to take another step forward, maybe not in his t level of production, sure. but in his consistency right. and establishing himself as a, an all-star caliber pitcher in the National League, probably top 10 or 15 also. Brewers might have the best duo atop the rotation. Last year, Woodruff and Burns combined for more war than any pair of teammates in the National League. And that's even if you look for for this year, that's even if you combine uh, Bauer and Kershaw, who is the, the Dodgers' war leader among pitchers. So um, do, do the Brewers have the best one-two punch in the National League? I think is I think it's possible. Yeah, that's actually was going to be my next question of, you know, would you rather have, just for this one year, would you rather have Woodruff, Burns, or uh, or uh, Bueller and Kershaw or Scherzer and Strasburg. Looking at it from a one-year perspective, you would say that Woodruff and Burns you would take going into the year as a one-two punch in the rotation. Of course, there is some bias, but um, but I would I would probably say yes. I think you look at the Dodgers. I think Bueller and Bauer are both a little bit overrated. Kershaw is getting up there in age. Probably won't pitch quite as many innings this year. Woodruff and Burns are. I think it, I think finally getting towards reaching their peak, their potential. Um, so they kind of are peaking at the right time. I think that I think that they probably are the best one-two punch. Of course, Cardinals fans would probably disagree, Cubs fans, Dodgers fans. Um, just some of the, the Brewers rivals around the National League probably would disagree, but um, but I, I actually would, would be led to believe so. And certainly if those projections come true, I think it would be likely that they would be. I mean, if you talk about two starting pitchers with an ERA around three in over 300 innings combined, likely going to be uh, the best one-two punch in the National League. So certainly exciting for Brewers fans, and hopefully Burns and Woodruff uh, staying healthy this year as well. Let's move towards a, a little bit of a different type of pitcher, less uh, power, but also a pretty steady arm that hopefully the Brewers are, are, are seeking 
some consistency as well in the middle of that rotation. That's Josh Lindblom. What are your projections for him this year? I think Lindblom will be a, a, a capable four or five starter. I have an ERA projected for him in the low to mid fours. He had a little bit of a higher ERA last year. Uh, but he did look better as the year went on, especially moved to the bullpen for one or two appearances. And when he came back, he was really improved, limited the walks. I know he talked about really pounding the zone more. He's got a, a wide range of wide array of pitches that he uses at his disposal. Uh, so that works to his advantage usually, especially as a starting pitcher. I think that, that he will take a step forward, and with the improved strikeout numbers and, and decreased walk numbers later in the year, I thought we did see some uh, some changes as the year went on that maybe maybe looking at him then as more than just a, a, a depth arm, uh, more of a steady rotation arm for Lindblom, even if he is a little bit less exciting than Woodruff or Burns. Yeah, certainly less exciting, but Brewers fans would be happy to have a, a, a rotation anchor, and any team is. Nowadays, there's still a lot of value in, in those kind of mid-rotation guys who just goes out there and uh, gets them out, and certainly a little bit less of the strikeouts than Woodruff and Burns. Uh, but, you know, speaking of actually less strikeouts, next in line, Brett Anderson uh, certainly fits that mold. How do you see Brett Anderson performing this year? I think he'll be slightly better than last year. Dealt with a blister issue early on, and I think the biggest thing for Anderson is an improved defense. Colton Wong up the middle along with probably Urias instead of Hira, no, mostly Hira at second base. Hira was, is not a very good defensive second baseman and will slot in better at first, even if he may look a little bit strangely small there. Uh, when he when he stands holding on runners, uh, he uh, you kind of realize he might be the smallest first baseman you've ever seen because we're talking about how he's like similar height to like fielder uh, Eric Thames, but he's not, yeah, he's not, not yeah. 250 pounds. Um, but... Yeah, Wong should make a big difference up the middle. Anderson is a, a heavy ground ball pitcher, has usually one of the, the highest ground ball rates in the league. And same can be said for actually for Hauser also, who we were going to talk about too. Uh, but Anderson, I think ERA around four, looking at about 100, 125 innings, probably will take the ball every fifth day and throw about five innings. Uh, that's usually right. five innings, two runs. He's yep. he's yep. the Brewers' five innings, two, three runs pitcher again this year, like we had with Gio, of course, before. Yes, and I and I like I like those guys because we have the bullpen that we have, and with the Brewers bringing back Anderson, I, I do think that was actually an underrated move, because um, taking a look at the Brewers' starting pitching depth, if you remove Anderson, looks a lot more shaky. Uh, having Anderson there, you can then slot Hauser and potentially the five. Um, and added on, in addition, Freddie Peralta, a lot of question marks around Eric Lauer still, but, you know, without Brett Anderson there, Brewers look a lot more thin, and you know injuries are going to happen at some point in the rotation. It does to every team every year. Uh, so I think that was necessary to bring someone back. Glad to see Anderson, and like you said, I do think the defense will help him, as well as, like you said, Adrian Hauser, who had pretty high expectations, I think, uh, last year. Maybe even unre unreasonable expectations. I think there were there's potentially a lot of uh, pressure put on him, uh, didn't perform uh, as he hoped or as Brewers fans hoped last year. And now we see him more in the, in the five starting role. How do you see Hauser performing this year in what could be a bounce back year for him? I think it will be a bounce back year for him, uh, like you just had said. His, his sinker actually was, was one of the best sinkers in baseball last year. I think he should probably increase his usage with it a little bit. Uh, going into the year, I think in uh, in like November, I wrote a piece about how Hauser could improve and why there's a little bit more hope than maybe it looks like at the surface for him going into 2021. 
And I do think a big part of that will be uh, decreased expectations for him. We're not looking for him to be the two starter like we were last year. Uh, he's he's your back end guy, um, and and maybe with a chance to move up in the rotation. I think he has more upside than than Lynn Bloom or Anderson. But I do think going in, he's probably that five starter. And if you if you do get four or five solid innings out of him, it's a pretty good start for uh, for your five starter. Yeah, he definitely has a, a higher ceiling than Lynn Bloom Anderson. I mean. Not, we're not expecting great things necessarily from them, but more just consistent, solid arms in the rotation. I mean, if Hauser has a good year, I could see him end up slotting in that number three spot. And, you know, if we see a good Hauser that just bolsters the Brewers' rotation, and when you talk about the playoffs, of course a one-two punch is good, uh, but you can't really get through the playoffs with, with two starting pitchers. You can't bullpen that much. Uh, so typically you're going to need that third starting pitcher anyways. And, you know, maybe we see Adrian Hauser getting that role if we see the Brewers in the playoffs, if we see a very good year from Hauser. So a lot of ifs in there, but um, I do think the potential for Hauser is to be a, a number three, and maybe we'll see him uh, move up in what could be a, a, an important bounce back year for him this year. A question that we've been asked uh, numerous times every year for the last couple of years, revolving around Freddie Peralta and whether he should be in the starting rotation uh, bullpen. Of course, in that uh, memorable first start from uh, Freddie Peralta in Colorado, uh, with his family there and that whole story, uh, which was a pretty cool story. But nonetheless, uh, Peralta obviously shined in that first start um, and did have some good looks in the rotation, um, but ultimately has performed significantly better in the bullpen, has been a very valuable piece in a very strong bullpen over the last couple of years. And again, now the, the talks again around Peralta in the rotation. Uh, first off, is that something that you see as likely? And second off, is that something that you see as what is best for the Brewers and Freddie Peralta going forward? Yeah, I've been one of the biggest Freddie Peralta strictly relief arm proponents over the last year or two, or three, or four. Six. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since he's been in the organization when they traded Adam Lind for him. Um, but I actually have a little bit, maybe a little bit more of an inclination to start him in the rotation this year. He reportedly added a changeup. I feel like he always has a new pitch. He had, it was a slider last year, but he didn't end up using it much in season. He usually just went fastball, curveball. His slider was absolutely disgusting. He threw to Salvador Perez. He, uh, he threw and it was just basically straight the whole time, or at least from the center field camera angle. At the very last second, just veered off uh, to his glove side. Perez took an ugly swing and miss for a strikeout. Um, and if, if he has even a, a fastball, curveball, and slider... Uh, he's got such an electric arm, got really good spin on his fastball that he gets a lot of swings and misses. I don't think he'll be a guy who goes deep into games, seven, eight innings, other than that one start he had in Cincinnati like a couple of years ago. Uh, I think he's more of a, a five and dive, they call him now, where five innings, zero runs, one run, and and hand it off to the bullpen. But that might be more valuable than a, a seventh, eighth inning arm, even if he goes maybe two innings at a time every couple of days. Yeah, certainly if he could stretch out the success that he shows in the bullpen instead of over two innings, we see that over four or five innings, uh, certainly more valuable. He's one of those guys who, I mean, we, we watch games together, and we see Freddie throw a fastball right down the middle, occasionally miss his spot, and just a lot more swing and misses than you would see. Yeah, he, uh, he, hater and, he a hater, and yeah. Knable. Those yeah. are the only three that, I can really, that I've really seen do that, where they can get away with it. And Burns and Woodruff do occasionally, too, sometimes with the, the high below. But yeah, Josh Hader and uh, Peralta especially – 
sometimes is who just rear back and, and just chuck a fastball that is right over the plate, and uh, you just see a swing and a miss, or sometimes yeah. even a take because yeah. they were sitting on the slider. Yeah, or, or, or they or ball. or sometimes I think they even when they see it down the middle, they expect it to break. They think it'll be a breaking ball, and then of course it just stays there. And even that's sometimes only thrown 91, 92, 93 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, Hater's fastball velo has actually been up by about a mile an hour from last year. It had been been down a little bit last year. Uh, but yeah, Freddie Peralta, I think, is if he can get that first inning issue solved. If you remember as he was, when he was a starter, yeah. uh, it was always the first inning. I think Peralta's probably the most fun arm to watch on the Brewers and also the least fun to watch at the same time because the the potential and the electricity in his arm, if you might say, um, are it, it's so tantalizing to watch. But um, but then he does have those blow-up innings where he'll throw like 40 pitches. Uh, like that one game against the Braves, he threw 40 pitches and allowed one run. <laughs> Talk about efficiency. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys who's just kind of like fastball, 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 curveball, curveball. I think fastball, he threw like fastball, 80% fastball, fastballs fastball. last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it worked for him. Yeah. yeah, he was one of the better relievers in baseball. But yeah, looks like he might be that sixth starter. They're going to probably start with a six-man rotation uh, and see how it goes from there, but they want to monitor the workloads of their guys. Although Freddie Peralta probably will throw more innings this year than he has really in the past. Uh, Council made it seem like he might throw upwards of 80, 90 innings uh, and maybe in a hybrid role, some in the bullpen, some in the rotation. I think that that might be a good role for Freddie. I, I do too, and it fits into what the Brewers and all of baseball needs, which is flexibility between starting and uh, and the bullpen, because like you said, we, we, the Brewers are going to have to manage workloads. And I think rather than, you know, shutting a guy down either at the end of the year or for time, for certain times in the season. Strasburg in the playoffs. Yes, yes. It makes more sense to uh, to just manage that over the season, because of course we can't be getting to the playoffs without key arms. Uh, so I think that having a six-man rotation and making sure that, A, starters are not staying in games uh, very long, uh, for most starts, um, but also monitoring how that then impacts the bullpen and, and filtering arms, which, by the way, we'll be talking about the bullpen uh, more in depth next episode. But as we wrap up here, just taking a look at some of the depth arms, we talked about Eric Lauer, who was just optioned. Uh, just very disappointing, at least speaking from my own uh, thoughts. Of course, Brewers trading uh, Kyle Davies, is it? Yeah. Uh, Zach Davies and Trent Grisham to the Padres. Uh, for Lauer and Urias last year, of course, Grisham having a gold glove year and one of the best offensive bats in the entire National League last year. Um, and Davies had a pretty good year as well, now dealt to the Cubs. Uh, so a little bit painful to see as a Brewer fan with Urias uh, kind of having a nondescript year last year. Lauer, of course, pitching poorly and again, having a rough spring and we'll now see him starting in the minor leagues. Uh, briefly, what are your expectations for Eric Lauer? Is it, are we seeing him in the major leagues this year? I think we will see him in the major leagues at some point this year. My expectations are a little bit higher, I think, than most, because most people only have seen the atrocious year he had last year and uh, might not look as much at the success he had in San Diego. He was actually their opening day starter a couple of years ago, had a, a solid full season of a, an ERA low fours, solid three or four starter, similar to what we saw from Davies in a Brewers uniform. He hasn't been able to replicate that, and he's had a poor showing in spring training so far. Of course, we mentioned he got optioned to AAA or to the alternate training site, um, which actually, by the way, it's in Appleton, and they might have fans allowed to go to the alternate training site. 
Uh, so that could that would be interesting. I think they basically just scrimmage for a lot of the time, but still would be interesting, especially for prospect aficionados. Um, probably we'll see Hedbert Perez, their their best young prospect, Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Turing, Aaron Ashby, uh, Antoine Kelly, Ethan Small. A lot of uh, intriguing arms and uh, pretty good, talented young position players there. Uh, but Lauer will be there also. Uh, maybe doesn't fit either of those categories. Uh, but I think he does factor in as some depth and could end up being a solid back-end starter by the end of the year. And then the other guy, they brought him in on a, a minor league deal, Jordan Zimmerman. Highly unlikely that he'll make the team. I have him slotted for an ERA up a little bit over five. Uh, I think he he's basically a depth arm if you need to bring him up. Maybe they have a lot of injuries or Freddie's ineffective in the rotation. Got to move him to the bullpen. Uh, Lynn Bloom maybe doesn't doesn't improve at all or Hauser. Uh, maybe we'll see Jordan Zimmerman. I think he's a depth arm. He's far from the pitcher he once was uh, at the peak of that uh, no-hitter he threw on the last day of the year, uh, the Steven Souza diving catch. Yes. Um, Iconic. Always that one defensive player, yep, no-hitter. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think Zimmerman, we maybe see get a start or two, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that, but like you said, it's unlikely. Uh, maybe if we see a strong start or two, he gets a, a handful, but he'll pretty much be there uh, as needed. And then finally, uh, got it. Just mentioned Brent Suter. Uh, we will dive in deep into what we can expect from him next week, which clearly states that we expect him to be in the bullpen. Uh, interesting that the Brewers going with Freddie Peralta uh, as that sixth starter potentially over Suter after Suter has shown more success and consistent success in the rotation. Uh, just briefly, your thoughts on that situation, and then again, we'll go uh, more in depth uh, as far as what to expect from Suter. But just in that decision, the Brewers likely favoring Peralta in the rotation as opposed to Suter. I actually think it, it probably makes a little bit more sense. We've seen Suter have a lot of success in the bullpen, and I think Peralta's continued to evolve and improve, maybe more so than Suter has. Uh, Peralta's also younger. He's only 25, 24, 25. They have him under team control for another five years, I think. So they have a little bit more incentive to develop him as a starter than Suter. Um, I think Suter might get a few spot starts, um, probably three, four innings only. We saw that a little bit last year, of course, that horrible postseason start that he made, which uh, he, he did mention it, it took a while to flush for him, um, and he received a lot of hate from Brewers fans, which is unfortunate. I, I don't understand some of that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, no of course, he, yeah, of course, of course, he was able to bounce back from it and, and he had a overall a very good year last year. Of course, the September before he won reliever of the month coming off Tommy John surgery, which is really impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, Suter though, he, I think he's, I think he's probably more of a, a multi-inning reliever going forward. Um, but also as we talk about the rotation, I think it, it's a good time to reflect on how good the Brewers have been at developing pitching under the Stearns regime, at least. Uh, we got, like a couple of years ago, we were looking at Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta. Th those were the three guys. They were all young. I, I don't know if they were still prospects at that point, uh, but three y good young arms. And you expect, okay, maybe one will be a good starter, one will be a good reliever, and one maybe won't pan out that well. Woodruff looks like a, an ace. Burns, maybe an ace. Peralta, either a solid starter or a really good reliever, at least, to fall back on. I remember us having that conversation very early in the podcast and saying, you know, if, if two of the three turn out to be pretty good, we'd be very happy. Uh -huh. And at this point, all three have exceeded expectations, have been very good, and we'll see if we can continue that going forward. But, yeah, I mean, the Brewers' future didn't look too good with, uh, or necessarily. With in, the, in the pitching staff, right, I'd the pitching say. Staff, I, I was definitely getting worried. We saw a lot of, you know, Guerra, Peralta, uh -huh. Anderson, uh, th those types of arms who didn't have a lot of potential, and 
uh, as a brewer fan looking to the to the uh, farm system, I think the brewers were depending a lot on those three arms, and so far all three mm-hmm. have been very good. And even beyond them, I mean, Hauser, of course, had a bad year last year, um, but Hater, I mean, very good reliever. Devin Williams, of course, it seemed like he, he wasn't really a prospect anymore, just kind of toiling around in the minors and then found something in the bullpen. Suter, they developed. Justin Topa, one of my favorite guys. Uh, Drew Rasmussen. Those guys haven't had that much success yet at the big league level, but could. And then J.P. Fireisen has had an excellent camp. I think throwing about eight innings, no hits, uh, and maybe one or two walks. So he's been he's been excellent. Could compete for a bullpen spot. Like I said, we're going to talk about uh, the Brewers' bullpen next year, some of the competition going on there. Maybe we'll see a little bit more clarity on who might make the team by that point, too. Uh, bullpen's probably my favorite spot favorite part of the team though to talk about so I'm looking forward to that next week. Yeah certainly I am as well and, and uh, stay tuned for that next week as we talk too on whether we expect to see Josh Hader getting most of the save opportunities or if we see some other arm uh, doing the role doing the uh, closing and also taking a look at uh, what Joseph, Justin Topa's role um, may look like. We both have high expectations for him as well so uh, like David said excited to cover the bullpen. Uh, starting rotation is a lot more exciting than it has been in you know maybe ten years. Um, Fifty. I don't. I think this is the most exciting rotation I've ever had. Yeah, certainly going into the year, uh, Brewers fans have high hopes for the rotation. And before we head out here, uh, let's uh, wrap up today with today's trivia question. Yeah. So today's trivia question was, how old is Bob Euchre? Um, and we'll see if Peter Peter knows this one. I think maybe a lot of your the older Brewer fans might know, um, or ones who are who follow a little bit more. But how old do you think Bob Euchre is? I'm going to go with 88. Oh, you're really close. 87. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he's born in January of 34. Um, I have to think that he is nearing retirement, had a lot of health issues over the last decade or so. Vin Scully retired at 89. Uh, so, I don't even know. Maybe he, he might be the oldest uh, broadcaster. At least in the entire season. I would yeah, imagine. I would think so. Yeah. Um, even just doing home games, which Euchre is almost just home games, which, of course, Brewer fans still love him doing just home games, but uh, they should, by the way, they should retire a number for Euchre. I know they have that number 50 up there. It's not retired, uh, but I think they should retire him. I was thinking they maybe would 99 because the last number, number zero or something like kind of making fun of him in that way. Um, or they, they could do like, I know they sell like uh, jerseys of him that are like number nine. I don't oh, know yeah, why, yeah. but uh, but I think they should do some. Career play. He wore number eight with the Milwaukee Braves, uh, so maybe uh, and of Braun. course Braun yeah. is Braun is there. Um, and then one last thing also to uh, to note before we wrap up, Foolish Baseball. He's one of the top YouTubers um, about baseball, and he tweeted a couple days ago, the Brewers are really going to win the NL Central. Uh, just kind of out of nowhere, he he will just make random tweets. And then uh, Jeff Passan, uh, ESPN baseball reporter, uh, replied, nods in agreement. So it looks like Brewers may be getting some uh, some love from national audience. Uh, I think that he's. I think the Brewers are probably the best team in the NL Central. Uh, we'll talk about that more both next week and then we will have a special opening day preview episode coming your way uh, right before opening day. So we'll talk about that a little bit more and why the Brewers might be better team than the Cardinals who made a big splash getting Arenado. Um, but that will wrap up today's episode. Of course, previewed the starting rotation, one of the most uh, interesting areas of the team. And we will look at the bullpen next year. Of course, the broadcasting changes. Maybe Tim Dillard is a potential replacement for the uh, 87-year-old Bob Uecker. Uh But either way, some uh, some interesting changes on the broadcast on uh, the now-called Bally Sports Wisconsin, which I 
I hate that. That's worse than the uh, name change to American Family Field, in my opinion. Um, but Brewers making the changes, and we will see you next week for um, for the episode. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.